0: This podcast episode is in partnership with Dyson for Business, the professional arm of the world-leading research and technology company, which provides solutions engineered with guests and employees in mind. This includes Dyson's pioneering air purification range, which creates a cleaner, and more comfortable environment within commercial spaces by removing 99.95% of pollutants as small as 0.1 microns. Stay tuned to hear more about the future of effective air purification and the importance of good indoor air quality within shared spaces. Welcome to this special episode of the Air Quality News podcast. Today we're joined by Matt Jennings, Category Director for Environmental Care at Dyson. Matt studied mechanical engineering at Bath University in 2007. He joined Dyson as a design engineer in 2013 where he worked on the first range of air purifiers the company produced. He then took over as the product lead for the Dyson Zone air purifying headphones, Dyson's first wearable product. As category director for environmental care at Dyson, the research and development function responsible for air purifiers, cooling fans, heaters and humidifiers, Matt is responsible for the future of Dyson's indoor air purification solutions for both homes and businesses, furthering Dyson's involvement in air quality research and supporting air quality education. Matt will share with us his expertise in indoor air quality, answering some of the most important questions in the air quality conversation and busting common myths about indoor air. Thanks for joining us today, Matt.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, to get things started, I wanted you to say in your own words why it's important to differentiate indoor and outdoor air quality.
1: Okay, it's a really good question. I think the most important factor for this is considering our modern lives we lead. So much more of our lives are focused in the indoor setting, and the impact indoor air quality can have on our health, therefore, is magnified by that. Also, the pollutant sources are very different if you consider indoor and outdoor air. So typically indoor air is a combination of outdoor air that's leaked into our homes or into our workspaces plus unique indoor pollutants that are created in those environments. So indoor air is really kind of a much more complicated cocktail. So the two factors of it I think being more impactful on us in terms of the amount of time we spend in an indoor environment and the fact that the pollution sources are different mean it's very important to differentiate the two.
0: Yeah definitely and given this why does outdoor air quality often receive more media attention than indoor air quality?
1: So my perspective on this I think is that outdoor air pollution is much more tangible. If you think about the pollution sources that generate poor outdoor air quality, they are very prominent and generally on a much greater scale. You're probably much more worried about the main road near your house and the traffic coursing down there every day than you are thinking about the indoor air pollution you're creating when you're cooking with your gas hobs at home. I think outdoor air quality is very easy to understand. Saying that though, indoor air quality awareness is catching up. I think two-thirds of people now believe that outdoor air quality is better than indoor air quality. It's really important for people to continue to grow awareness in indoor air quality because it can be so damaging to our health.
0: Yeah definitely, it's so important considering how much time we spend inside in our daily lives. And then moving on to solutions really, how effective are modern day air purifiers at dealing with indoor air pollution?
1: Yeah. so the short answer on this is is yeah they're effective very effective the longer answer though is that not all machines are equal right um so there there is a real spectrum of different solutions available uh, and there are some key things you need to make sure you're looking for so how efficient are the filters in the device the word hepa can be misused a lot so be careful you're not buying something that's got the hepa with a trademark after it that doesn't necessarily mean it is a true hepa device what kind of pollutants can the machine capture is it looking at particulates or gases and chemicals is it looking at everything holistically Is the machine intelligent enough to be able to react to invisible odourless pollutants that we might not be aware of as people? And is the device really able to kind of mix the air effectively around the space it's in? Is it, you know, is it suitably sized for the environment? It can be really confusing for different prospective owners to actually navigate these different factors, I think, and find a solution that's right for them. The Dyson purifiers we sell, they contain certified filters, which means they can capture 99.95% of particles as small as 0.1 microns. Our carbon filters that come with those devices also capture a wide range of gas pollutants as well. So we try and holistically treat air quality. Some of our products also contain filters that are designed to destroy formaldehyde, which we call our catalytic filters. And our products always come with a range of sensors to actually detect and inform the user and the device when pollution events have occurred in the home, meaning that the devices can respond automatically when you may not be aware things are happening in the space that you're in. Mm,
0: That's really interesting insight. Um, And obviously, there you mentioned formaldehyde. Why is uh, this particular pollutant so important to acknowledge within the air quality conversation?
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a, I think it's a gas that maybe is slightly underreported in the UK at least. It is recognised globally as one of the most dangerous gases found commonly in indoor spaces. It can be brought into indoor environments by a number of different routes. So some of the common ones can be paint, cleaning chemicals, combustion from things like gas stoves, but also uh, interestingly things like um, engineered wooden floors. They use formaldehyde during the manufacturing process and that can leak out again over time. As a result, Multi can be common in homes, but also commercial settings as well, like workplaces.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think there's a such a lack of awareness about the fact that even things like building materials can have an impact on the air quality in your home. Yeah. And how can people find out about what air pollutants are present in their indoor environments?
1: Yeah, so there are a few options available. There are kind of commonly commercially available indoor air quality monitors. If you're on a commercial setting, your employer can also hire professionals to come and do uh, measurements and reporting for you. Also, some air purifiers also contain sensors on board to have, actually report on the contents of the air in real time. I think it's really important first us to have awareness of the air quality we're exposed to in, in our home, but also in our, our commercial settings that we visit on a day-to-day basis. More changes in those environments can have a big impact on our health. For example, cutting back on things like scented candles or air fresheners.
0: Yeah, definitely. Obviously the indoor air quality of our homes is very important. But what about shared spaces like offices or gyms, for example? Um, is the issue as big there and can it be addressed in the same way or do we need a different approach?
1: Yeah, so poor indoor air quality in shared spaces is r- a really important discussion to have as well. So for example, in office spaces, pollutant that's not talked about very often is CO2. But studies have shown that higher levels of CO2 can actually um, reduce people's ability to focus, reduce their cognitive function. I think one study has actually shown that staff work 60% faster with lower levels of CO2 in their office. Gym is obviously vital too, because uh, when you're at the gym, you have a higher respiration rate, which means you're breathing more air, which means your effective dosage of pollution that you're taking in that environment can be much higher, even though you might be in that space for a shorter period of time. And also, if you're unwell or you're and maybe unaware that you're unwell, you're potentially emitting more back into the environment in terms of microbes or viruses. But generally, there is a low awareness of indoor air quality in these environments. Um, we recently asked the public actually to choose the environments they think usually have the highest level of air pollution. And while not 69% of people said workspaces, only 8% of people uh, went to kind of gyms and wellness facilities. And that's a gap we really need to try and close through education.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really shocking to hear those results from your survey. So, while we're talking about misconceptions, I think it'd be great to do some myth busting and deal with some of the common myths about indoor air quality. Um, so I have a few here. First up, the myth that the worst air pollution is visible to us, such as smog or dust particles. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, so that is, a, that is a dangerous misconception, in, in, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, you can see sometimes poor air quality events like smoke. and You know, you shouldn't breathe that. But just because you can't see something doesn't mean there isn't anything there that's harmful, right? So carbon monoxide is a good example of this. It's something that we're all aware of, uh, completely invisible and odourless, but it's potentially lethal. With poor air quality, when it comes to particulates in, partic- uh, in particular, the greatest danger actually lies with the smaller particulates, what we call ultrafines. Now, these ultrafine particles are actually typically less than 0.1 micron in diameter. And like I said, they can pass straight into your kind of lung tissue and circulate through your whole body, which obviously isn't good for your health. So there's not necessarily a good correlation between how visible something is and how impactful it can be on your health.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a myth that's uh, hopefully starting to change. Um, There seems to be a lot more public awareness about things like um, PM2.5 and the smaller ultrafine particulates now, which is great to see. So next up, seasonal allergens like pollen are worse outdoors what do you think about that one
1: yeah so obviously pollen originates outdoors but it can travel uh, into our indoor spaces it can cling to things like our clothes and our hair Um, and if it does end up in your home it's Going to stay there until it's either cleaned, purified, or breathed in by somebody. It doesn't break down like other pollutants, for example, uh, the kind of gases you'd get from um, a scented candle, for example, or from a, a, a chemical cleaner. One study has actually shown that uh, indoor pollen levels can be up to two to five times worse than outdoor levels, which I think is potentially quite an interesting finding.
0: Yeah, that's really shocking. I'm a hay fever and asthma sufferer myself, and I wasn't even aware of that. So I'd definitely be uh, taking more care with the pollen inside. So finally, Polluted air is only a problem in cities. Is this the case?
1: So I think in terms of outdoor air quality, polluted air can often originate in heavily populated areas like cities. But wind can transport this elsewhere and move it to areas that are outside the city quite readily into kind of areas that tend to be lesser populated, where you would think you have better air quality naturally. So that's that's something to bear in mind one sad reality is that in areas with with high hills or even mountainous areas you'd think you'd have great clean fresh air in that area but those that kind of kind of geographical features can actually actually trap um, poor air quality in that region so just because you're uh, somewhere that's you know scenic doesn't mean necessarily you you've got that link to, to great air quality all the time remember indoor air pollution in particular gases can occur independently from outdoor sources so just because you have a house that's far removed away from the city, doesn't mean you aren't generating pollution at home that you're just not aware of.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's a really important insight to end on. That's all the questions I have for you, Matt. Um, I'm sure all our listeners will agree that that was uh, really, really useful. And I'm sure they will uh, definitely come out of that learning, learn something. So thank you, Matt.
1: Thank you very much for having me on.